Welcome to the Socialista Podcast, a collection of stories from Las Vegas creatives. My name's Brianna, and I'm going to be your guide to the city of Las Vegas, where I will be unveiling the stories of all of our amazing creatives, makers, entrepreneurs, and community changers. Welcome to another episode of the Socialista Podcast. We're on episode seven today, and today I'm at UNLV with Jean Munson. So Jean, thank you so much for coming on the podcast, and I'm really looking forward to our conversation today. Thank you for having me. Yeah, of course. So we actually first met at the Women's March anniversary, which happened a couple weeks ago now. And um, that was a really great moment because I had been following you for a couple weeks and I found out you were the chosen artist for the t-shirt design for Las Vegas. So I had a fangirl moment. Thank you. (laughs) Yeah, no problem. But uh, obviously I knew how talented you were and creative, but I came to realize that you do wear a lot of hats. Yes. So I'm just going to list off um, some of the things that you do. So you founded Plot Twist Publishing. Yes. You're the program manager here at the Women's Research Institute Institute of UNLV. Of Nevada. Of Nevada, yeah. yes. And um, the founder of the nonprofit called Girls, which is Girls Reaching Radical Levels of Success. That is all correct. Oh my goodness. <laughs> you, um, I said this for Diane Edelman, you're like superwoman. You do it all. Thank you. Yeah. So um, it makes me really happy to see women making such a difference in our city. So I commend you for that. So thank you so much for being so involved here. Thank you. Thank you. No problem. So I do just want to jump into it. Um, I know that you were born and raised in Guam. So could you describe what it was like growing up there? What your childhood was like? I just, I love that, uh, you are asking this question about my own upbringing because sometimes when people do a lot of things, Um, We don't quite know what the intention is for doing a lot of things. Um, So I come from the island of Guam, which is very, very small in the Marianas Islands area. Um, It's not too far from Asia and Australia. And it's it was it was the best time of my life. Right. For 17 Mm -hmm. years, that was as big as my world was like I knew most of the people who live there um, and I progressed in all my grades with them. So it was a small but safe net world. And um, growing up as a Filipina too, um, the scope of my perspective too is kind of much smaller. Like I had, yeah. there were earmarkers to being a good Filipino kid, get good grades, you know, don't get out of line and, you know, listen to your parents and whatnot. And as I got older and even coming out here, I noticed that I felt out of those lines of where I need to be as a woman and as a change maker um, in this day and age in 2018 now. So um, I would say that I felt like an outsider even in Guam, Mm -hmm. but I didn't let that stop me from taking pride in where I came from. Yeah, that's amazing. So just for some introspect, um, could you maybe compare Guam to like a size of a state here just because I'm not familiar oh yeah so I would say it's about maybe uh, 
some geo- geographical person's gonna be like, you're wrong. <laughs> <laughs> but I would say it would feel like two thirds of Henderson. That's how big it is. Everything oh, is wow. about 30 minutes away. We do not have a freeway. Like the highest speed limit would be like about 35 miles per hour. Like, so in, when, wow. you know, when people, as we would say, stateside would come and drive and we wouldn't understand why there would be 60 miles an hour because that's <laughs> a usual speed here. And yeah. so um, that too was like a rude awakening of like, oh my gosh, driving a freeway is terrifying. And like, um, but yeah, it's, that's, that's, if that gives you some kind of gauge of how big Guam is. Yeah, truly I had um I had no idea. Yeah. So I was a little bit ignorant in that sense cuz when you see like an island on the map you're like okay, like there's there's got to be some good right. size to it mm-hmm. and like but from what you're saying it seems like it was a lot smaller than probably what my yeah. thoughts were. <laughs> I mean like let's to go into it too like there are only two malls and like two or three bookstores. Like you know wow. like there's not even that many places to hang out when I was growing up, it has um, changed because of people my age making establishments like cafes and cool um, venues. But yeah, it yeah. was like that growing up. That's awesome. So what was school like for you? School for me, and this also ties into my comic life, I had gone to public school because my parents were just coming up in their, into their own careers. But I went to private school. You know, I still okay. identify as Catholic, even as a feminist. Um, and I don't see that as two very contrasting things you know Mm -hmm. because I'm always like well Jesus was cool with the outsiders anyway but going into that I went into private school and there are such more rigid ways of like schooling uh you know it's higher competitiveness with grades and Uh achievements you know it's like everyone's on the honor roll you know at some point and don't fall out of line and um it was you know, religious education every day. And it's very different from going to a secular college here at UNLV. Like, oh, we don't pray before, like before class. So um, definitely a culture shock coming into Las Vegas. So when did you actually move to Las Vegas? I moved here in um, 2005. Okay. Yes. And was that like right coming out of high school for you? Yes, it was coming out of high school. And sorry, I was going to tie it back to going into those private schools and kind of my reaction to the way I functioned in those settings. Mm -hmm. I turned that into a comic called Pushover, which my previous brand before Plotus Publishing was Green Machine Comics. And it was supposed to be comics for women, um, especially um, like Filipino women or, you know, Chamara women, women we don't usually get to see in... Um, comics pop culture right definitely so when you transitioned from Guam right out of high school to here Mm -hmm. you start at UNLV that first year that you came over to Vegas yes I started I had dreamt of being a high school history teacher because that was the only subject I was good at in (laughs) high school it was the only one I didn't cheat in like let's be honest that's funny when your grades are supposed to be A's and I don't know if these people study during the summer like I just was like I guess I'll just cheat because it's the only way you know, I'm not like this completely, people think because I wear glasses, I'm a complete goody two-shoes, but I had to cheat to like survive in Catholic school settings. Um, mm. But I mean, I, don't lie. I think we all have cheated. Yeah. Let, let's be like, honest. <laughs> don't lie, people. Yeah. So um, let's see, I'm even confessing. So I must be somewhat of an honest person. <laughs> but yeah, like I just 
I thought I was going to be a history uh, teacher. Uh-huh. I didn't last in the education college because of the whole, like, you know, student teaching and mad respect to people in student teaching, but, like, uh, like the whole working and then, like, kind of teaching for free, that was, like, yeah. very... That's a very difficult, like, shift in life, and I was like, I really don't have enough money to be in school that long, and so Definitely. I just was like, I guess I'll just be a history major. Whatever that'll be, will be. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So what inspired you to be a history major? So... And why did you want to come to UNLV specifically? So I came to UNLV specifically because um, in Asian cultures, families stick together. So my brother was initially going here. So then I followed suit. And then, you know, I didn't get the whole cool dorm life. You know, I had a curfew at like 10 or under that because of all the things, crazy things that can happen to someone new in this country from my parents' fearful perspective. Um, so was that a fam- was that something your family told you like you know try to be home at this time yes. because you're in a different you know you're in a different yes. state you you don't know where you are most definitely I mean it was terrifying for them to move here like we we're all brand spanking new wow. my brother had to move back home from living on his own you know like so I had to come here because the incent the incentive to get in-state tuition and so yeah we all came here and I was like I don't really have a choice um and <laughs> right. to be a history major um I am terrible at dates but I'm very good at um analysis of concepts that happened in history and the yeah. one thing that interests me the most that tied into my introduction to feminism when I was a in high school uh-huh. is women's history like I was just like this is history I've never heard of in high school exactly yeah, yeah. I think even um in, in my education and probably in even some of my siblings who are younger in their education, this is still something that they're not, they're not being taught and yeah. they're not really diving deep into that either. So gotta yeah. change that. Yes. Yes. <laughs> um, but could you tell me some of the immediate, immediate differences you notice coming from Guam, living with your family and having some of those expectations on you, um, and then coming here. Right. Um, so one of, okay, I like to tell this really funny story. There were just little things that I didn't understand that happened in American culture. Like during Christmas times, like I never understood people's like rush to get stocking stuffers. Like I was like, why? Like, I don't get it. Like you already get gifts, like you're getting stocking stuffers. Yeah. But I didn't understand that in Guam, we don't have chimneys, like, right? Or like we don't have like mm-hmm. a little, mm-hmm. so there, that's a little thing um, that was, completely different and um this whole thing of being home at a certain hour like for all my um my peers in school were like gene it's not that big of a deal but it was for my parents like my parents would scold me from head to toe if i wasn't home at a certain hour even if i was past the age of 18 um and that like kept fueling the feminism that was growing in me because it's like i'm not a bad person or how my parents perceive me or are fearful so um yeah i was just kind of i started growing and really resistant and resentful of what it meant to be a filipino woman like i got in trouble a lot for interracial dating like my who is now my husband we like they did not like him they were like oh he wants your money and whatnot and like that's hard to hear because it's like you know i'm in a humane aspect but to my parents it's like an intrusive you know and they've grown a lot to like love him but that's very hard to like see that this is a not a controllable factor of my controlling your kids love life or anything so yeah it was tough definitely so when you started having this pull towards um feminism and Mm -hmm. you know wanting to speak more for the filipina woman Mm -hmm. um, was this something that you were being public with to your family um so (laughs) i was not introduced to feminism in college i was introduced it 
like in an intrusive way uh-huh. um, in my theology class. Like okay. my theology class, he was actually teaching philosophy and yeah. But he taught us about feminism and where it was in the world. And it's, I say he, like he was a great ally. Um, and we're still friends to this day, Mr. Campos. But I started to, that really rocked my world at a young age. And it shows in the comics that I produced at that age, this uh-huh. revelation. Because I was like, well, we're supposed to be fitting in this mold. And like he was saying like, you need to start asking inquisitive questions. Like why do we comply to those things? And so right. I started to, that's also what fed into like wanting to learn more history. Just an ex- expanse of what Mr. Campos, I will always say his name, mm-hmm. has brought to me. And it's um, like I, I feel like even when I was really embracing feminism at that young age, you know, I didn't shave my legs and I would like really bring these conversations like when I was sitting with my classmates and they're like Jean shut up it's just a theology lesson like get over it and I was like no like I really feel like these things are real issues for me when I get older and they're like quit thinking about it so hard and I just couldn't and right now That's even just another way to silence right there and my my own friends who don't know it subconsciously are policing me right yeah so that's kind of they're everyone's better for it now and everyone's like oh yeah you know we're with you now Jean but it, it, everyone's given me hell for a very long time yeah definitely I think feminism is is catching on yeah um through different generations too and yeah. i think that's i think that's a really great thing but um mr campos mm-hmm. your professor sounds like a wonderful man yeah so um i really loved hearing that story thank you that story yeah, yeah definitely um so i want to talk a little bit more about um like the rest of your college years yes so can you talk me through that okay so I was that really annoying activist (laughs) in college right like I was part of the vagina monologues yes Yes. oh my gosh really did you perform I performed with the vagina monologues I held minor roles and I eventually became um one of the student leaders for it and um like it's just crazy to think like and I have to talk more about the vagina monologues because they actually kind of absolved it here on campus oh yeah yeah because um it wasn't they like there were many reasons but I think it they I think it was as they say like too binary you know these are still new terms mm -hmm. to me and so Mm -hmm. they wanted something more trans inclusive and I don't know if they found an alternative but I always have my heart for the vagina monologues because it always fueled a greater cause um I was introduced that again in high school like by Mr. Compost he's like go do a reflection paper so I was part of that because of I saw so much protest happen about it in Guam and it's just like when we actually got through to the entrance door of that production there um because Guam is fairly conservative being Catholic mm-hmm. um it was a beautiful and you like even when I mention it, it's almost like a keyword like hey like the, it celebrates the entire woman experience or right. at the time when you, they produced it in the 1990s but yeah like um I was really annoying like they like you know people would throw the flyers that we would try to give on campus at the time um yeah you know or make fun of us for the whole vagina thing um but I was also a Filipino-American activist who used to do cultural presentations and yeah I had some respect but it was always like it's like that one kid who does all the homework right like it's just like yeah yeah whatever we just you know want to party or get to know each other and just like these earmarkers about our history and our identity are important but um (laughs) it even that even that okay besides vagina monologues even the filipino-american student association has 
dissolved, right? And it's oh, really? it's really sad to see, you know, now working on campus, like, and seeing a lot of really potentially great students not have those avenues anymore. Maybe they have avenues that have evolved. Uh-huh. But yeah, like, FASA and the Vagina Monologues are no longer on campus. And I don't know why. I do say that really sad, and I hope that things do grow out of it, but it's sad to see your things die, right? Yeah, yeah. That's, that is really sad. Is that something that you're trying to advocate for to bring back? or You know, I that's also something I had to learn as an activist is not to take on all the causes, you know? Like, sure, yeah. It's, There's only so much that you can really yeah. put even if they die yeah even if you predict they die like it kills you but it's just like yeah there's just so much if no one else wanted it like how much more can you carry yeah I guess that's true if you can't get like a solid group together yeah yeah community organizing is tough tough stuff that's why I commend the people at the women's march even if you know people argue it's not perfect like at some point like a lot of energy collectively came together that brought the two of us into this room that would normally not hang out. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And and that's amazing. I mean, it's it's getting people together. And mm-hmm. that's what I absolutely love. So yeah, I'm really glad that was something that yeah. we were both able to experience. Yeah. So um, after graduating, what was some of your um, first jobs? What were you looking to do? This is my favorite part of my life because <laughs> when it was happening in the apocalypse of 2009 with the recession, yeah. I was kind of like, oh no, I'm not going to use my degree. And I know a lot of people on campus say that. And I, whenever I talk to students about what their post-grad plans, I always say it with caution and compassion. Like, hey, what are you planning to do? Don't worry. This is not meant to, like, I'm not that kind of person who's like, well, you should be living your life this way because right. I graduated with a liberal arts degree and I worked a string of minimum wage jobs in my entire 20s, right? Mm-hmm. And I was like, I could either be miserable or I could take away the small things that happen, you know? And um, I, I think people share this fear that when you're not in college, you're going to get dumber. And yeah. um, I don't think that's true. I think what happens is you actually face the... The reality of the world, which is not everyone gets a college education and not everyone who yes. is a feminist yeah. has the word for feminism. Like, And so I had to learn how to shape my message as a person all the time mm-hmm. to talk with compassion. Like if I just came in blaring out with like my entire agenda, who's going to listen to me? Right. right. Like You're I don't even care. It's crazy. Like screaming. Yeah. Lady, like, <laughs> like I wouldn't want to be around that person. Why would I be that person? So um, over 10 years, I even even if they were coworkers who didn't like me because they're like, shut up, you're never going to be an artist, whatever, whatever, there's no money in that. Like, I, like, they still follow me to this day. Like, they are, right. st- they say they know me, they're, they're fans of me, and it's just like, you hated my guts, you made me cry in a break room, like, you hated me, but yeah. I think that having survived that entire 20s of minimum wage jobs, like, that I gave something for people to believe in again, you know? Definitely. Or like I like to think of it. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm just curious. What do you, th- those people, I guess those naysayers telling you, oh, you know, a career in art or comics is not something that you can do. You're not going to make money. What do you think that switch came from when? I think, you know what, honestly, you know, it's easy to say, yes, it's jealousy, but I think it's just like, yeah, I guess at one point they wanted to do the same or, you know, uh-huh. we're just, you know, the sometimes the things we say in everyday life is just repeated rhetoric of not tested solutions. You know, yeah. I, when I taught the Boys and Girls Club a few weeks ago, the they were like, my parents say that this doesn't make money. I was like, you give them my card and you tell them to look me up, you know, that yeah. I'm a real person and a real <laughs> being, you know. Right. Yeah. Like your story attests to that. Yeah. 
it's it also attributes to not giving up like Mm -hmm. and I know that's so cliche to say but it's just like you can cry it out you can you know feel really bad but you have to pick up that pencil again because no one's writing what you're doing and even if they are like there are tons of there are tons more people more talented than me right but the thing that separates us um, unfortunately, is the work ethic. Like, how much are you going to put out? There was a guy I knew in middle school who did photorealism without, like, he drew everything perfect. He didn't yeah. pursue that. Like, um, and I don't know what his gauge of happiness is, but I'm not, you know, like, I'm the one who became the artist who wasn't suspected to be. So we all make life choices. Right, definitely. I, I really love that. And I think I saw something recently on, um, I think it was on my friend Abby's post who I was mm-hmm. talking about earlier. I'm pretty sure it was something like you only like along the lines of you're saying like you're the only person who can really take the steps to do what you want to do basically and if you don't take those chances they're you know they're wasted ideas right so even if all those ideas or these these goals that you have don't work out at least try a couple and see where they go yeah and I think your friend Abby really produced a beautiful piece of artwork for you that no one else could construct like I mean she like I recognized I recognized you from a cartoon. <laughs> That's yeah, insane. Yeah, that goes to the test. Thank you, Abby. I love you so much. <laughs> yeah. yeah, definitely. Um, so to start talking a little bit more about your career mm-hmm. in comics and art, what sparked your interest? So I loved you know, Sailor Moon, I, and yeah, Yeah, every time I say that, I feel like it's a secret society, right? There's even girls as young as 10 below who I don't know if they have amazing parents, which they probably do that say, Hey, um, do you know Sailor Moon? I'm like, do I know Sailor Moon? Right. Yeah. I think it's really exciting to like, that was kind of our X-Men, right? Like there's like, everyone has a different personality working together and you know, they wear cool outfits, but then like the central part of the old, anime was friendship like they were Mm -hmm. goofballs with friendship and I was just like what like there were really subliminal things growing up like my husband he had just started watching maybe like a year ago and he's like your personality is a lot like Serena is this like something that happened in your psychology from watching all these cartoons and I don't care you know if that's if that's a subliminal message of a goofy person then fine like um but yeah this whole shirt off your back thing they were just good Feminist values, you know, they in- introduced yeah. queer folk, like, <laughs> in what? a cartoon, yeah, like, what? and even if they were cousins, like, there are things I don't even know, like, I think the um, there's an amazing story behind the person who created it, too, she was supposed to be, like, in the field of sciences, and she created a comic science oh, fiction, I, did, I yeah. didn't even know that, she was, like, I don't, I know that she, like, picked up being, I hear me screw up the facts, but she was supposed to be in, like, meteorology or astrology or some kind of science and she decided to be a cartoonist and look at what we have right and she's not even like her cartoon like outlives everything like even her right like even her name like we don't really her I think her name is Naoko Takuchi or something I'm like a hardcore fan but anyway like (laughs) so I grew up on that I grew up on Archie comics I grew up on Charlie Mm -hmm. Brown and and all those Sunday comics and um so I wasn't prescribed to the perfect body I mean like yeah I would see it in Benny and Veronica and like yeah I wanted to aspire to be as thin as like the Sailor Scouts and stuff but I came to a point too and I was like I want to see myself in my own comics and maybe that's an attribute to narcissism but like I really was like I would like to see chubby people in comics um and so I started to draw pushover um and (laughs) 
you know when you make something it makes sense to you and this is what I always tell people like it always makes sense to you so when you create like at some point you have to make sense to others Mm -hmm. because like the cover to pushover is very happy well like you see a teen girl like ooh, you know it's gonna be about a teen girl but yeah it actually has such a dark side to it and people are not prepared for that because it really tackles what it's like to be a student leader and disillusioned or suicidal right and like wow. the repercussions of being a female student leader among other women like it's like mm-hmm. it has really hefty stuff and so people sometimes buy comics of me because I'm a cute girl right and then they read this like oh my god this is really sad but yeah. not in like in a revelatory sadness sure um but that's what me on the map here in Las Vegas was that comic yeah yeah definitely and I think um just hearing you talk about pushover and wanting to represent yourself Mm -hmm. that's so helpful because now there's this there's this avenue for other people who feel the same way or you know feel like they're not represented in other comics or uh, cartoons or tv or whatever yeah they have something to do that now yeah it's it's crazy because it was very hard like people people kept thinking I was some high school student trying to make shit happen and I hated that because I was like I'm in my 20s like I'm not a high school person and I would constantly (laughs) get stereotyped like oh like yeah sure come and draw with us but it's just like do you take me seriously as an artist sitting among you? And it took me a long time to be like, I'm serious and I'm not going away. And um, some of the things that I say on even older podcasts that I'm part of, like people are not happy with because no one wants to admit like there's such a small representation of women in comics. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we're a very small community in comics here. And it's not always easy to admit. I mean, my peers are trying now, but like my um, peers who are women like sometimes we're hiding out we're not like collectively coming together like the dudes and I you know we're trying to mend that this year but you know like it's tough because like you you don't feel as confident about like putting your work out and yeah can you um can you kind of describe what it was because I'm I guess I'm just making an assumption here but a lot of your peers probably were men yes um how did you start finding other women writing comics yeah you know i we started finding other women in comics like there'd be like only like two or three of us like Mm -hmm. um but uh, that's so tough because it was because of plot twist coming together that women came out of the woodwork like a few women who are like i really want to produce my things um and like they all the women that were in Plotsworth Publishing were very type A personalities. Like they mm-hmm. they hit all their deadlines and that's kind of what it, maybe that's a natural mechanism of being a woman. Like you have to stand out by being exceptionally fast or better. And so they, it was never a problem for them to turn in the work and they're like what I call repeat offenders of like producing stuff. So they're always like, I want to come into it. And so um, I thought, okay, how do we keep doing this? And that's why we have a um, woman-centered comic um for this year but even then like I'm looking at I'm looking at the the deadlines in like less than two weeks for Queen's comic anthology and I'll go into detail about that later but like there's still zero entries right like I don't know if women are waiting to the last minute to put it in or Uh maybe the issue was too complex or maybe there needs to be more like pep talk training you know um me and my assistant editor are trying really hard to encourage people but like I or they don't have the resources to produce yeah. comics and art writing. I don't know. Like this isn't. I feel like a small epidemic that I don't quite understand in our town. Um, 
or maybe I just don't know the right people. I don't know. It's a mystery. Yeah. Well, it's, I mean, I'm an outsider still. Mm -hmm. I've only been here for, uh, it's been almost 11 months now. Mm -hmm. So it seems to me that the comic um, realm here is probably newer Mm -hmm. and still up and coming. Yes. Um, So can you describe, because you have Plot Twist Publishing, which you have founded. Yeah. um, What sparked that um that passion you to start that okay so yeah there's a lot of there's a there's a lot of like I will say it because this is you know we're women to women but like and I know men and friends will read hear this but I have faced a lot of discrimination coming into the world of comics right like shortcoming cute girl um cute comic right like it's not those are that's some that's in summation of like my own history but like I Ugh. like it just is so frustrating but yeah. like I like there are just so many doors that were closed on me and then um then I got injured at work by having three fingers chopped um during my time working in a restaurant and I was unemployed for a month and I thought to myself, if I'm not going to do right now, even broke as hell, what I want to do in life, like, then when will I ever? Like, and mm-hmm. cutting my three fingers off and just, like, really investing a lot of time and energy into a company that was not my own um, really made me confront the issue of, like, how much do I invest in other projects that aren't my own? Like, I'm an innovator, too. So, yeah, I started Plotus Publishing because I was pissed off about um being doubted by a male peer who shall not be named um and they were probably never even listened to this but it was a male peer and I was at a comic networking group that met like about every other week or once a month and I was just like hey who wants to who wants to work on a comic together can we do this can we um if you want to meet me for late night breakfast at the restaurant nearby, which is Blueberry Hill, the historic Blueberry Hill, right next to the comic book shop. And a few dudes showed up and we made, actually, I don't know if I tricked them, but um, <laughs> that we actually made a women-centered comic. It was about a painting of a woman uh-huh. for impressions that um, it's, the whole theme was like, how do people see art differently and how mm-hmm. does it affect their life? And so it's a very deep comic because we, in the industry here, it's all action, pal, you know, like heroic stories. And so now we introduce like what I don't think the public was ready for was a slice of life comic, which is my forte. But, Uh um, and you know, some people argue like this, we could have done something better, but honestly I would see, maybe we don't foresee it. And I'm a visionary 10 years from now, that comic will mean something, you know, because it really attests to how important art is, um, and how important women are in a, like in a way, so, but I'm still challenged to this day. If that will be a best-selling comic, I'm haven't given up on it yet. Well, I'm excited if it if it comes out. I'd love to love to check it out. But what I love that you said is you started this because you were pissed off at how you were being yeah. looked at and treated. And um, I think a lot of times when women are trying to be these pioneers in mm-hmm. these different um, positions or these different um, these different career fields or what have you oftentimes it's oh well you're just the the cute girl like whatever like stick to your your cute little thing yeah uh, it's always like oh that's so sweet or um coming from somebody who loves video games Mm -hmm. it's always like oh you're a female gamer like how cute so i can see 
um, I can see why you want it to break out of that mold of people saying, oh, well, you know, you're a woman and you're doing yeah. comics. So you can only go so far or, oh, that's cute. Stick to your cute little drawings or whatever. Right. So I love the fact that you're like, well, I'm pissed off and I want to make a change. And yeah. I think that's absolutely wonderful. Thank you. Yeah. I, I, you know, the whole game, right. We're talking about, you're talking about gaming, right? Like, and is it's, it's sexy, but it's not serious, right? Mm-hmm. Like where it's two different S words and that's how we are approached. Yeah. It's, it's so true. And it's a common, a common experience we share together. Yeah. For having never really met, you know? Yeah, for yeah. sure. It can be, it can be really frustrating when you're in these, in these different fields of like art or right. gaming. Especially or when comics. you're good at it, right? Yeah. Like, and, but people, like you said, they don't take you seriously. Yeah. It's sexy, not serious. Yeah. Yeah. So that could be a whole nother conversation yeah. that I would be here for. <laughs> okay. Um, so I do want to talk a little bit ab- more about plot twist publishing. Yes. So um, you talked about what inspired you to do it. Um, what is the mission? So the mission of plot twist publishing is it is a book business, indie book business, that produces diverse literature and also provides diverse opportunities to grow in writing and art. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yes, some people can look actually look at our business model as kind of a nonprofit, right? But like we're trying to make profit as as artists. Yeah. But um, yeah, because I have figured out not everyone is going to be at the same level of. Um, art producing and I mean we can say okay your work is not good here but where are they going to learn something better are they going to pay thousands of dollars to an art school and be in debt like that just seems unrealistic like um so that's why we started putting in a means to teach people Mm -hmm. to make art and even though we're not like kind of like a high-end art school that will teach you how to finish produce at the end but we will the process that we teach in these um kids workshops which we are also now doing um all ages is that like this is how hard it is to produce a comic imagine what all these other established people are doing to get there like you know some people are like oh whatever it's a cute comic strip have you ever tried to construct a comic strip like in four panels of like an idea it is so hard like people typically the symptom of being a comic maker is to create already a prolific work, right? Like uh-huh. they're like in this universe and this cast of characters and, you know, this and that. And it's just like, okay, hold on. But like, really, what's the theme? What's the plot? Yeah. Who, what do I even feel for these characters? And, you know, I try to even talk about that among peers and stuff. Mm-hmm. And they're always like, you're too technical. But like, honestly, my target audience, which I think is the target audience for Plot Twist Publishing, is you want the non-comic reader, right? Once you get the non-comic reader, they're just going, it's a ripple effect, right? If you keep playing around with people who are comic readers, they're always going to compare you to Marvel and DC and all these things, right? To be an innovator is to tap into the unknown. And so that's what I think, okay, you got to get the mom who doesn't read comics or she'll get her kids to read it. It's, that's how we win them over. Definitely. Yeah. Is expanding the market that way. Yeah. Um, I wanted to talk a little bit like, who you're trying to reach with the different um, classes that you teach mm-hmm. with Plot Twist Publishing. Because I know you have the Queen's Competition, which yeah. I think will be over before this act- this episode actually comes out. Mm-hmm. But can you um, describe that a little bit? Okay, so the Queen's Comic Anthology is, you know, in response to the Me Too movement, um, I wanted, I've been producing really like sassy feminist comics and I was hoping to find like other women in town because I 
maybe I've just implanted this idea in my head that I was like, I can't be the only one who is making this, right? I just think uh-huh. we're not talking to each other, but I really believe that more of us exist um, in town. And even if you're just a writer, or an artist, like there's a way to merge the two. But um, it was, it w- the comic is meant to provide um, in short, um, comic shorts, how to respond to sexism by... Um, being sassy right like Mm -hmm. one of my favorite stories that I tell when I try to try to explain this huge concept idea is just like you know um, when I was at the gym and this guy's like "Um, ladies first and I say how do you know I'm a lady like you know what I mean just like that's I I think maybe what's happening is people are like oh no this concept is too huge for me but like really these stories are in your everyday life right and how like my friend this guy comes up to her and he's just like oh um do you know who I am? Like, uh, cause she said no to him trying to ask her out. And she's like, do you know who I am? Like, right. I think that, and that's, those are rich stories. Like, I think my target audience for that is 14 and up. So when they read these stories, they can be like, these are great ways to respond without like, you know, putting in a report for like sexual harassment is like kind of like nipping it in the butt there. That's, I'm not saying that's the only mechanism, but that's like one of many. And yeah. like, um, and I'm telling you the, the girls in this town, especially having interacted with the Girl Scouts, they are very strong in their sense of self. And I would hate for them to kind of lose that. So if they have like, and see in comic format, you know, real solutions, mm-hmm. I, you know, especially if we can tie that into the nonprofit of girls, like, this I feel like the distribution of this can flourish but the one thing is like starting talent from scratch right like okay I guess someone out there in the woodwork is coming you know yeah yeah I love that um it it really the the queens and the the comics teaching girls and women how to I guess stand up for themselves I think is really important because we do learn a lot from what we ingest yes um that whether that's again like tv or youtube or comic books or cartoons or whatever that was some that would be something that i wish i would have had when i was younger because like even now as as a woman i'm 24 and we all get them the cat callers i always in my head like prep myself when I go out I'm like okay if somebody was to say something to me or give me a weird look I'm gonna have like a witty thing to say back or I'm gonna put them in their place but whenever it happens you always get kind of like in yourself and you're like I just want to get out of the situation so um yeah I I totally agree it's a real like you do leave your house brave you do like Mm -hmm. and sometimes like me and my friends would have a uh like a buddy system and we would just tell everyone we're lesbians you know just to get away just yeah. to, like you know like that seems to be like well that's just sad I mean like it's sad but it worked right it's it's our generation sometimes yeah, yeah sometimes work and they're like Ooh, like even today like I was just getting in my car and like this guy like I mean it's my heightened sense of like awareness now with everything that has been reported in the news but like he was just like smiling at me through his window as he slowly crossed the parking lot I'm like I don't know I don't know if you think like oh now I'm gonna go like sit on your lap you know what I mean like but that response yeah like I was just like that made me really uncomfortable right and it's just like it happened so fast not like don't look at me you know it's just like you do freeze like yeah it's scary it's scary because if you get out of your car like all these things so Mm -hmm. yeah yeah, definitely. Uh, <laughs> yeah, we have a lot. Like, yeah, and um, I th- not to like it's on topic, but I don't want not to like take away from our conversation. Mm-hmm. Um, I think a lot of some people 
will take the reaction of women freezing as, oh, well, you shouldn't have froze. You should have stood like up consent. for yourself. Yeah. yeah. So uh. it's like, there's so, there's so many complexities to it. Yeah. And there's just so much shit, honestly, that right. we have to deal with even when we're younger. And yeah. yeah so I, yeah, it's, I, I know it's like digression in the podcast, but it is pertinent because this is why I do the work that I do is to give people voice. And like, I mean, not too long ago, like friends tell me like, well, you didn't say no. Or like, why didn't you just tell them to their face? Like, it's like what happens in these circles is like there are men protecting men. You know, because yes. to other men, they're good friends. But to me, behind closed doors, they're not good people. Exactly. And it's just like, how do I prove that when majority opinion is that you're a good person? Like, and I know, and I have come up in the, in many of my circles as a very prominent woman. Like it's, so it's really hard for me to be like, I could sing, I could single-handedly take that person down. Right. But imagine like being like it it's a two-way street. I don't yeah. know how to, right? Like, I am powerless, but I am powerful, right? I could take this person down or, like, I could just let it be, right? And so I'm still dancing around this. Like, no matter how powerful I get, there's still, like, somebody who's trying to get something from me in a sense. Like, it's right. I just, it kills me, you yeah. know? And it, yeah. It's really, it's really heartbreaking. It's heartbreaking. And it's a reality for, for all of us. So. Yeah. Um, but tying back into what your work is Mm -hmm. that's why I've just doing the little bit of research and now talking to you I see it full circle and I truly truly love what you're doing and I think it's so admirable and I think it's the comics that you're putting out and just advocating for these young women and uh women of our community I it's it's truly just amazing so thank Thank you you. I'm not a millionaire but you know like (laughs) I mean like but you're doing something and that's what's important Thank you. Yeah, it's it's tough because people are like automatically publisher. I have this million dollar great idea, and it's just like, okay, but people have to do their homework when you're creative, right? Like, it's not just like oh, I just had dreamt of this. Like, you have to write out. It's it's not that hard. Like, write out your paragraphs. Like, yeah. you know, like those fundamental skills you learn in elementary school apply to as an adult. Like, draw all those characters. Like, you know what? Like map out your plans like and it's just like you know a lot of people like to skip the skills to do that because they're like oh whatever I've been reading and doing comics all this time it's just like yeah but what about the person who's gonna read it Mm -hmm. no (laughs) yeah it's tough but even um the other project we're doing is the pitch tank which is our shark tank version of it and the assistant editor and I are very friendly people in the comics industry but here but we are going to be very firm about pitch tank right because it's like a smaller scale of how you would present to Marvel and DC, which is preparing job preparation for when um, these people do these. Like, yeah. you know, when these creatives, like, let me just tell you, every anthology is like a class, like a graduating class. Like, uh-huh. you know, some of our people have gone on to produce for other anthologies just because we were a starting point. Some of them, like, are doing gallery and art you know in galleries you know and it's just like they and they come it's really great because they come back to me and they're like hey I've I got into this you know bigger publication and can I use my art from your publication to this and it's just like that's really the point of plot twist you know maybe not everyone's gonna get famous at this point but they had somewhere to start in our valley because you know imagine trying to compete for position in LA or like Oregon we don't that's too tough right Yeah. yeah That's, yeah, that's amazing. Um, 
I wanted to, since we were touching upon um, meeting at the women's rally. Yeah. So you were the chosen local artist yes. for the t-shirt design. Thank you. Yay. Yeah. That, like, when again, when I met you, I was, like, total fangirl. It's like, <gasps> there <Yeah>. she is. <laughs> so um, I know your design, the theme was inclusivity. Mm-hmm. Can you... Um, can you tell me how you came up with the current design and right. what that was like for you? So the I wanted to show a way that um, of uplifting each other, but also really um, ethnically inclusive, right? And like even trans inclusive. So um, it's just funny because if you you've seen it, it looks like a very happy image of power to the poles. But I mean, I've gotten trolls about it, right? Like this is not representative. Like a hijab is oppressive or like, I was just like, man, you could, there's no way you can make anyone happy. And I had to be okay with that because like, I, you know, it's not about just being chosen. It's just like, how does this really stir up people's feelings, you know? And it stirred up like a sense of unity for people who attended the March. And it stirred up like a sense of like, anger for but that's like the world of politics and whatnot but I that that is actually the second type of design and Uh the reason for that being you know like I really draw my comics really anime and I was just like okay like I need this to be really simple right to like because when they're anime they have big eyes and they look very youthful and I was just like if I make their more dotted eyes it also includes age right because I was like do I draw someone in a wheelchair do I you know there's Mm -hmm. a, a million of ways to draw women and stuff but that's why they're carrying each other because you don't even know who who needs to be carried and whatnot so um but I yeah like the story that's been going around in the internet in previous interviews is like I stayed in during New Year's Eve to work on that like and a lot of my friends are like Jean you had two days you know but that's my work ethic and um in getting things done like I was just like I feel the fire in me I gotta do it now like yeah um you know and how many times in for the people listening like how many times you're like I'm I got this great idea and I'll do it tomorrow and then you don't return to it yeah exactly going back to that idea of just taking a chance on those ideas yeah you know those goals so that's really awesome thank you yeah and it had to be three colors like you know like at first I was just gonna make everyone blue Mm -hmm. you know like I just there were just so many ways of it could go wrong um but yeah the morning they told me it was just like I just felt like I was in the right moment of time I could have been living in Guam I could have like not gone into a career that incorporated feminism like all those things compacted into it right like when we see those three people um, it's not just three people for me, right? It's it's thinking about, consciously thinking about all my friends who are activists and working in public policy yeah. um, and then, or trying to get pe- others elected into office, you know, their organization. Um, and that's layers of women's history that I also incorporate into that, into a three-person drawing. Like, that's a lot yeah. of content that I had to pull together, you know, and um, what I knew up to date with the Women's March agenda. Like, it was, it was tough. Like, it's tougher I than it looked. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, well, I, when I look at it, I, I think, again, it's not just the three people, as you said. When I see it, um, I see the communities that those people are yeah. they're rooting for. So that's why I was just, like, so drawn to it. Thank you. Yeah. yeah. Like, you can even argue the woman at the top, yeah, maybe she looks like an Islam woman, or is she an older woman, like, with a scarf? Like, it could be I in multiple ways. I was thinking that, too, because you're using only the three colors of the Women's March, so you're not giving people yeah. different pigments of melanin. Thank you. You know, yes. the girl in the middle with, like, the big curly hair, you know, she can be seen as white, or she can be seen as Asian, yes. or black, Thank you. or, like, right. you know, whatever you have it. Yeah. So... 
You totally get it, which is great. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. For no, not being a troll. <laughs> no, no, no. Yeah, no. That was like one of the big reasons why I, I felt so pulled to meet you and interview Thank you. Because I was just so, I think that shirt really sparked something in me when I saw it. Thank you. So, Thank yeah, you. Yeah, totally. Um, so something that I kind of skipped over. Oh, okay. And I want to lightly touch upon. Yeah. So with all of you're doing um your does your family still live here in Vegas? yes they okay. still live here in vegas and okay. they they my dad jokes like i forget what you look like you know oh, i don't really? look, like my mom i have periodic breakfasts with my parent my mom uh-huh. um because they're no longer together like that like she's just like she needs to know the updates in my life and know that i'm still alive you know what i mean because yeah, they don't uh, see moms, me yeah, yeah. yeah yeah totally um but i just want to I just wanted to ask, like, is your family, like, on board? Are they very supportive of what you're doing? So my parents were very, like, anti-feminist, right? Like, uh-huh. can you just get in line? You know, stop stop being so loud. Like, I get in trouble so many times growing up about just being really loud and outspoken and just everywhere in the community as a kid, right? I did a lot of civic engagement as a kid, um, uh-huh. community service. And they're like, God, can you just be home? And um, they're really on board, especially what happened with the Women's Arch, because it was like, it's like, a graduation of sorts like Mm -hmm. a true testimony that like Jean's never really gonna go away or stop what the hell she's doing so um they really embrace it yeah like they I mean um my brother even made a joke to my mom when she's like how are you doing he's like I'm just trying to keep busy like your daughter you know and it's kind of cool that they can really respect that um about me now which was a long journey (laughs) yeah that's amazing yeah truly um so can we talk about your other role. So you're the program manager here yes. at the Women's Research Institute. Sorry, yes. I can't speak. <laughs> no, that's um, yeah, fine. How did you get involved with that? Okay, so I used to be one of the 25 students they selected um, in 2009, which was perfect because I had no idea what to do with my life. And like I was an active member on campus, but I was selected and I was the goofball, right? And they were even I was drawing everyone and everyone's like you should do cartoons and I was like I should and I yeah. went back to my like boyfriend at the time like hey I'm gonna do cartoons he's like you're crazy and I was like I hate you let's break up you know and so <laughs> um yeah like I <laughs> so I would come back resurface and they always this program has always respected that I was a cartoonist right except this one keynote story which I will or one dinner I went to like a huge dinner um so I came back as a guest speaker for a business panel. Uh Um, That's when um, Green Machine Comics was just starting. And then I came back um, a few years later as a faculty in residence, which meant I was like a facilitator who lived on campus. Um, And I did that for like two years in a row. And then they hired me on um, as program manager. Um, And I was supposed to just be like an administrative assistant. Like my professor, um, Dr. Goodwin, was really liked me and she encouraged me to work as an assistant. But that didn't fall through because sometimes when you try to apply for the government, they don't tell you all the details to submit something. And so you fall through the cracks. Like and I can't even imagine how many people who are trying to get jobs in government who just don't have the resources to like get to the finish line. Mm -hmm. Right. So that didn't work. And you know, my reputation in the community superseded itself, right? Like, I was just a really savvy person, even... I'm the type of person... I could scoop poop and I'd look happy, right? Like, I just, like... I've always had, like, a really peppy attitude about it. And so she's like, okay, I really think you could run it, right? And so we are trying to save money for the department. I was brought in. I made all those things happen. And running a leadership conference. So that's what my main job on campus is running a leadership conference for women in the state of Nevada that is open to all um, 
to all the entry institutions like you know Western Nevada College, Great Basin, UNR, UNLV, okay. Truckee Meadows. Yeah, so like um, that's that's how I came to be on campus, and I love it because like you know even to this day when even when I won the women's march, like they're very supportive and like they've always like they've never kicked me down for being a cartoonist, right? Yeah. Like I was just like and. I stood out because I was a cartoonist. You know, a lot of people who produce in this program go into politics, run um, uh, run nonprofits, like all these other things. And so I always, it was always like, oh, look at this one cartoonist, a really odd phenomenon. Um, so now I run the program. Ha ha, the cartoonist wins. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Um, so I know you also have nonprofit girls. Right. Can we talk about that? So yeah, the, I was part of another nerdy nonprofit called Vagina, which is very awesome girls into nerdy activities. Wait, that's so funny you say that. I saw their table yeah. at the rally, and I'm trying to like get into their yes. like, little posse. Yes, please do. They are <laughs> they are great people. Shout out to them. They are very powerful and nerdy and unapologetic, which I love. And at the time, I was like, you know what? I'm working with the Girl Scouts, and there's a lot of like the same energy right like unapologetic whatever tough girls or whatever Mm -hmm. and then like being with these adult women who are also nerdy and just unapologetic and I was like we need to just merge this together but I was like yeah okay we should like try and profit from it right like we need to like produce funds in this mentorship because I was getting those skills running leadership conferences on campus and so we held a mini conference at the Dojang which is a um, taekwondo studio Mm -hmm. and like it was maximum capacity like right with with everything that's happened in um, American politics today, a lot of parents want to empower their kids. It's, I mean, empower their daughters. And so we had a waiting list. Like we had parents who were just like, if someone drops off, like, I mean, it was a very cost-effective program. It was like yeah. $5 to be there and stuff. Oh, and wow. so, um, yeah, it was crazy crowded. Every event that we've had, like a movie night or um, we did a self-defense thing, it has been at maximum capacity. We like, we as a nonprofit that is representative and very, not a huge commitment, but full of service, like has just exponentially grown. Like we can't even keep people at bay. Like, you know what yeah. I mean? Like people are like, produ- like have more self-defense workshops, have more, you know, like, and we are doing one thing a month because sometimes dealing with nonprofits in many different ways that I've been doing, um, and I think my peers can like really is it's tiring right if you try to do all this programming like a lot of planning goes into it it's exhausting and so um that's why we just try to do one a month and like rest like self-care is important but um yeah um girls got so big that we broke off from very awesome girls to just be more manageable because of the population that was Uh shuffling in right yeah and so um but we're still very tired we're kind of like a um, if they have younger people who want to join VAG, they just direct them to us. And so okay. we like mentor them until they are ready to move on to VAG. So that's, that's totally cool. Yeah. That's awesome. So for any woman who's looking to start her own business or break out of the mold that she's given, right. what advice would you give to her? I would say, first off, you know, write out your business plan. It doesn't have to be like, hey, the Chamber of Commerce is, like, going to look frowned upon. Like, write, like, what your target audience is and, you know, how... I, okay, let's be honest. I'm not a huge business person, so I didn't think about the numbers. But, like, really, like, what makes your business different? And even if it's, like, opening up an ice cream parlor, you know, like, what is it aesthetically going to be different or are you going to have a different flavors? Uh-huh. But also is just to jump in because, like, you know, I went to a forum and it was just, like, women business owners 
like to wait and get everything, all their ducks in a row. Like men will typically like, and I deal with this every day is just like, oh yeah, yeah, we're going to, we're going to start today. Like without any of this background research. And I think the research part of um, where women come from, I think that's great and wonderful, but there has to be a point where it's just like, you have to stop playing and start finally taking this leap. Um, And there's every business is like, a risk in a in the venture. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, so I would just say that, like, be a point, like, give yourself a deadline when to launch. Like, that would be my ear marker. Besides all the crunching of numbers and accounting, like, mm-hmm. just start. Yeah. yeah, I think that's been the common theme of this conversation. Yeah, just do it, girl. <laughs> um, so, for anybody who follows you, um, what would you want them to know about you and what you do with your business and how you run it? So anyone who follows me, I am always coming from a place of sincerity, but I'm also not a doormat, right? So like in, in a sense, like in order for anything good and creative to happen, um, I have to be like a hard ass about it, right? Yeah. And so I get a lot of slack about the way I run things because everyone thinks they can run it better, but take me out of an equation and watch a structure crumble, right? And I'm saying that with enough confidence because I've produced enough results in this town f- that I know the the formula for something successful, right? And that is genuinely thanking the people who contribute, um, helping them grow constructively. And third of all, like, to not forget that this is fun, you know, yeah. like making things and doing things like this. But um, I can't do this. I can never do any of this stuff alone. But I, I, it doesn't help to always like super ride me about like things. Mm-hmm. I get, I mean, I'm a very big picture person. So like when people like really get on me, I'm like, man, like I was doing it for the greater good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Come on, people. Um, so we're in February Mm -hmm. now. So what are some goals that you have for this coming year? So some of the goals that I have for this coming year is to really expand comic readership, which is why me and my husband are going home at the end of February to really like expand comic readership in Guam where I grew up, you know, there's no, there's no comic book stores and there's very limited, um, access to libraries because they shut down when I was growing up. So we're going to definitely that, um, definitely getting more women creators, for sure, um, and really getting more kids involved at a young age, yeah. like um, in reading comics and um, creating real mentorships, like all around, right? Mm-hmm. In every industry that I'm in, like this nonprofit or academic wise, like you know, at the end of this month, our leadership program for has new leadership which I run on campus Uh the deadline is at the end of this month so maybe when this already airs there's still time to apply for that you have to be a college student in Nevada but I mean that's what I'm saying it's just like people teaching people without the restrictions of a classroom yeah that's what I'm all about perfect so what are some exciting events or collaborations that you can tell me that you have coming up so some of the most one, the one that I want to talk about the most, um, besides the nonprofit, I'm the two nonprofits I'm in, is uh-huh. that um, I'm doing classes once a month, the second Sunday for MLA, MLAA, which is the Maximum League of Aspiring Artists in Henderson. It's at no cost and it's all ages, and we are learning how to produce indie comics for till the end of the year. Okay. So we're gonna have kind of like a comic book exchange. Um, it'll be my first time running a progressive comics class. I always do introductory stuff. So it's exciting to me who will show up and commit 
you know, to growth. Um, I know that there's a lot of parents who follow me and are like, oh, finally and stuff. But I mean, if you're a grown person who's willing to learn the basics and a lot of people are like, whatever, I know comics more than you. It's just like, no, but do you know how to write a story? Like fundamentals, like fundamentals are so important. I can't even, everyone's got ego before fundamentals, which kills me. But that's the one thing more because I feel like there's now physical time and place to be better. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. So do people need to sign up anywhere? Do they need to bring things with them to these classes? Oh, um, you know, I think that they're going to provide the paper and um, writing utensils. But I think to really take ownership of your creativity, bring your own. Like if you have a sketchbook, bring your sketchbook, you know, your own pencils. It just helps better when they are your tools instead of like, oh, I guess I don't have a pencil to draw. So show up, you know, as an as the artist you are. Is the whole like really identifying it. You know, like I had a great, I have a great art art teacher Gabby Hirsch and she told me like I'm like I don't know one day I'll be a cartoonist she's like you are a cartoonist right now like the fact that you say it identify it it will change everything and honestly when I started saying it and every day like I am I am like yeah you know and they would say you fake it to make it like honestly you're not really faking it all you really are that you're doing it you're living it yeah yeah Yeah, that fake it to you make it thing I hate that yeah (laughs) just do it don't fake it be you it's you yeah yeah Definitely. So the last three questions I'd like to ask everybody on the podcast. So my first one, um, as many people probably get from listening now, my personal mission with Socialista is to show people that Las Vegas is not just the strip or what you see on the TV, that there's a whole community and we're actually trying to make change here. So for anybody who's not familiar with the community or just visiting, what would you want to tell them? So I would say visit your local comic book stores. Um, They are excellent. I've been to other ones in other states. Here they are really curated with a wide variety of books that aren't always the same. So I would really recommend checking the local comic book stores, not just even for my comics, but just really good, diverse content. Mm -hmm. So that's what I would tell someone visiting our um, beautiful city of Las Vegas. Yeah, that just gave me a thought. Do you have any of your comics in like yes so we're at vegas comics we are at maximum no we are not at maximum comics we only teach classes there we're definitely at alternate reality comics cosmic comics and the writer's block oh and action comics in henderson okay awesome um can they like get any of them online too or are you just in like brick and mortars we are in brick and mortars um because I'm asking solely because I want one. Oh yeah (laughs) we oh and also i forget to we are in a cafe which is tiabi the um it's on Maryland and Flamingo near that okay. Target. Um, they're good friends of ours, that Vegan Waffle Cafe. But um, mm. the, we are launching our website to do this online ordering. I mean, we did okay. it um, We did it unofficially on another one, but we're really trying to get our info, I mean, our plotwistpublishing.com yeah. to reflect that. So um, that is in the works to do online shopping through there soon. Cool. All right. We'll look forward to that. Um, so fun question. Where are some of your favorite places to go hang out eat in the valley okay so all those places I listed I totally hang out there you can find me all the time um I definitely have to say that my two of my favorite places to go to food wise are poor lv it's p-o-u-r it's on eastern and sunset and they're a great coffee shop um and then tiabi um which is that vegan um waffle coffee shop cafe they're really good um women those are both women business owners oh awesome yeah so i would definitely recommend them oh and also truffles and bacon they are also owned by women too i need to like 
every time I need to get like a notepad and just write all this yeah. down because I've never been to any of those. So oh, you'll love it. And yeah. the people will love it. I swear. Yes. Awesome. So where can listeners find you on social media and website and all that? So I am definitely a Facebook queen. So I'm all <laughs> over. You can find me Jean Munson on Facebook. You can also find Plot Twist Publishing. But if you Google me, Green Machine Comics will come up. And that is my weekly web comic. You have it on Tumblr, right? Yes, yeah, so it's on it Tumblr. Started, yeah, or? that's where it started. There's still a very old picture of me on there. But um, that's... I mean, I love keeping it. I've thought about doing .com, but I love it because you. I've really seen my progression of like being very terrible at cartooning. Right? I drew in a ballpoint pen. So like at least I see from a long time and that. And then um, Instagram. I'm definitely on Instagram. I haven't made a pl- plot twist um, Instagram just because I already manage a bunch of social media and all my other jobs. But I mean, I like it when people find me completely attached to plot twists from Jean Munson rather than a separate thing for me. Yeah. That's perfect. All right. Well, I'll definitely have all of those Yay. links in the description for people and any exciting events that you have coming up. Um, the you. comic book or the comic class that you have going on on Sundays. We'll yes. have that too. But Jean, thank you so much. This thank was you. such a wonderful conversation and I can't wait for all listeners to hear so it. So fun.
You were just listening to Maroon by Halsey Harkins. The video for Maroon will be in the link of the description of this episode. She also just debuted the video for Darling of Mine, which is also going to be linked down below on YouTube. And the EP for Darling of Mine is now available. So please make sure you go check that out and support her. She's also on iTunes and you can find her on Instagram at Halsey Harkins Music. Another big thank you to Jean. We had such a wonderful conversation and I am very humbled and honored that I had a chance to meet her for the second time and sit down for our recording for this uh, for this episode. She's truly such a really a ray of light for our community and I respect everything that she's doing with her comics, with Plot Twist Publishing, um, Girls, her nonprofit organization is truly just shedding the light of being able to empower girls and women to, you know, do the things that they ultimately want to accomplish. And she teaches classes in Henderson to, um, to teach how to write and draw for comics. And if you're interested in going to some of those or uh, seeing Jean's work, all of her information is linked below so you can find her at those different outlets. But please make sure you go to her comics website, which is greenmachinecomics.tumblr.com. And um, you can also find her websites for both Plot Twist Publishing and Girls on Facebook. So make sure you go check that out. To keep up with her, you can go to her Instagram. It's at Jeannie Bean Marie. If you did enjoy this episode, please make sure to go give it some love on iTunes. You can subscribe and also leave me a review. That's how more people are going to be able to find this podcast and learn more about what we have going on in Vegas. And that's the whole goal. Um, we want to show people what artists we have, entrepreneurs, community changers. So that would be really, really great. And it's important to me that, you know, people learn more about what we have going on. So if you have any recommendations for musicians or people you'd like to hear interviewed, please go ahead and uh, email me. It's socialista.llc at gmail.com. I always make sure to keep an eye out for that. And in the meantime, if you want to keep up to see what we're doing at Socialista, you can go to Instagram at socialistalv. I try to post on there regularly and uh, keep up with my story. So make sure you go do that. I'd also love to say a quick thank you to Chop808 for the theme music and Abby Paulus for the graphic art. You can catch me next week on Friday with a special episode with Shabrielle.